Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the show. Time to talk some racing. Wayne Hawks is here for the Westbury Start. It's all about success with Tarzino at Westbury. Now, Wayne... 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock Wednesdays, I've been able to lock you in. Get a call from Gareth on Sunday. Got to push Wayne back to 11. My question to you is, I don't think Gareth's asking that question if G. Waitley's in the seat. 100%. You were just saying <laughs> that. I didn't know where you were going, but uh, he wouldn't have the kahunas he to wouldn't. ring uh, the great man Waitley and go, uh, we're moving Wayne Hawks around. But on SEN track, I normally do a Monday morning gig between 10 and 11, but Gareth was in New Zealand well, for was. the New Zealand yep. yielding sale and asked whether I would go to a Wednesday. And I said, I am on with Julian on a Wednesday. He said, oh, I can fix that. I said, well, I'll just let you two gurus <laughs> sort it uh, sort it out. So uh, Gareth's come home with half a beard and mm, everything like that. Bit of, uh, and salt and pepper going on there too, isn't there? We finished uh, SEN track with, there you go, folks. Wayne Hawks is telling me about dress sense. <laughs> I didn't really have a comeback there, to be totally honest, because that's why I'm not on the TV, uh, I'm on the radio, because I have the head for radio. His is very interesting, his yes. uh, dress sense. He young. still loves himself, though. He's very confident. I'm, I, I got over love myself and sucking my guts in about 13 years ago. <laughs> Just got to go with it. Now, it's February. First of February today. Even we're talking late on the show Where's last, the month gone? last year. Where's the first Doesn't month January gone? go so fast? Crazy. We thought this would be you know, Darren Weir. Darren Weir, Darren Weir. Yep. But it's Cox Plate, Cox Plate, Cox Plate. Yeah, they, where, where yeah. are we at? Is it going to move? They certainly jumped off talking about Darren very, very quick and fast. It is still the most hottest topic in the racing industry, and so it should be. Because when you're moving a premier race, if you move the Cox Plate back a month, that's what they want to do to run it at the instead of basically instead of the end of October, they want to run at the end of end of November, give or take. It will still be the Cox Plate in name, but will it be the mm. Cox Plate in race? Is the question I ask. Well, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, it's still going to be called the Cox Plate, but yeah, I don't know. It, it has. To, it, it it can't be the same because whenever you whenever you move something. We had a race called the Ascot Vale Stakes that used to be run in about September. We moved that to Derby Day, and we now call it the Coolmore. What a resounding success, massive success. There was no doubt about that. And so, you know what? I applaud RVL because one of my biggest gripes with them was they were, no, 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 tradition, mm. and uh, Bart Cummings said, and, you know, uh, uh, and I say, well, you can't eat tradition, but we need it, especially for people like the great man, Jared Waitley. They, uh, mm-hmm. he, he loves tradition. It's as simple as that. Loves it, breathes it, loves it. Bruce McAvaney's, they love mm-hmm. it. So we need that. But, but we're in the year 2023, so we need a little bit of change. But I want to know what the RVL board are saying. I mean, we've heard from the CEO, we've heard from the racing manager, which is fine, but I want to know what the RVL board are actually have, have said because from where I sit, I don't know what they're saying. They really haven't said much because I don't want to get it to a point where – you know, if it doesn't go right, that all of a sudden the CEO and the racing manager is ta-da, goodbye, because it didn't work. I mean, it's one in and it's all in. And the biggest thing that happens in my industry is they're out there talking about this now. Well, you know what talk means? Mm-hmm. It's already half a That's uh, right. nearly, nearly like a done deal mm-hmm. because they're not big on speaking to people like myself about it because I think I've said this before. Truth is like poetry. 
and not many people like poetry, so not many people <laughs> like hearing the truth. Now, it's not all about me, but I'm a participant that has raced in those mm. races and do race in those races when you have one good enough and have been involved with horses that have won Cox Plate so, and been unlucky in, in others. So, you know, at the end of the day, there is a participation point of view that they need to be speaking to us more than what they uh, they certainly have. And, you know, they should have been at Magic Millions the other day when we're all, all the participants mm. were up there. It would have been very simple for them to lob up there to the Gold Coast and chat to all their participants. But it's a big move. It's a, you know what, it's a ballsy move. Mm. I don't know whether we can say that. Maybe yeah, we can but, say that. But it actually is. Mm. It's a seriously big move. And I congratulate RVL. Listen to that, RVL. I congratulate you. <laughs> Well, you know what? You don't get many. You don't get many ticks. Administrators don't get many. Never ticks. ever. They, they, they cop a slagging. To be fair, but, no, I'm barracks for the RVL. <laughs> Stop me saying no. I'm barracks for the RVL. No, I'm barracks no, for the RVL. No, that's actually a really good line. Mm. So at the end of the day, good on them for wanting to have a crack and move things around. But gee whiz, you've gone straight for the jugular. But mm. as I said to you last week, that's fine for wanting to do it. But we need an exit clause if we can back the truck up, mm. and it's got to be successful. Just a matter of how we judge success and how we're going to judge it is obviously with uh, with turnover. That's that's how it's going to be. But also participation on track is what we uh, what we need as well. If so, it does move back to late November, is it forward or back? That's a good question. No, no. it's forward. Is it forward or back? Uh, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting. That's interesting. Forward in the someone, year, but someone, back in the schedule. I know. Isn't I, know it? I know. Someone will. Uh, that's someone, a very good point. Someone out there smarter than me will text in. I'm sure. But Do we still get the best weight for age horses in the race? Well, that's going to be the question. Isn't that isn't the number it? one thing you got to make sure? Of course sure? it is, because where it starts as a racehorse trainer now is, you say if you've got a horse good enough, we'll use Animo. Should have won two years ago. Um, arguably, was probably d- deprived of his win in controversial circumstances. Then he backed up and did it again last year. So he's nearly won the last two Cox plates. So he's a perfect horse to talk about. Where does James Cummings run that horse, like a horse like him, first up? Because the whole demographic's changed now. You have to bring them in later because you want to push things back later. And, you know, you, you, you don't want to go giving them one extra run now because a Cox plate's bolted onto the back of your campaign because... These horses at the top end are realistically, they are trained to the minute mm. because you've got horse like Animo and Nature Strip and those great household names, Black Caviars and Winks and Chautauqua that, you know, even people not in racing know their names. They're not having 14 runs a year. A, uh, a client of mine said one day, it's never easy being a racehorse owner. I said, yeah. And he said, no, 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 I'll tell you why. And I said, please do. He said, you don't get, you don't often get a bang for your buck, so you've got to make it work because he said, you might only get four runs in, in you know, summer and mm. four runs in winter or autumn and spring or however you want to say it. So the most those horses are going to get at the top end is probably going to, going to be about nine runs a year. So it's a real, going to be a real tussle because – they are going to have to change races around. They're going to have to move races. I still think the biggest, bigger issue is put Mooney Valley and Flemington together, combine them both together. Mm. Then there'll be two clubs taking on RVL. That would be my first stance. What on chance it. that will happen? Well, it's probably a thousand to one. <laughs> but if you're a CEO coming in and you could save millions of dollars, I reckon the board would look very favourable mm-hmm. if you could do that. But right now, these are the one percenters that we need to change. Now, I know what I've just said is huge. Did it kill Sydney Racing when um, the STC and the AJC went together? 
you know, now now there's just one club that takes on RVL. I'm just saying let's just make it mm. two clubs and make Mooney Valley and Flemington a proper serious brand. Not that they weren't separately, but if you're pulling them together, it's got to be a stronger, better brand. There's there's no doubt about that. And just pull our resources together. That's that's my stake on the uh, on the Mooney Valley side of it. Speaking of Sydney, um, we saw the story earlier this week about um, Joseph O'Brien. He didn't, you know, had ten horses nominated for the Melbourne Spring Carnival. None, none came because of this. I guess the, some of the stringent rules around it. He's going to have some running in the Sydney Autumn Carnival. Same with William Haggis. What's the? How fine is the line here for being as strict as you can on animal welfare and not being too strict that some of the best horses and best trainers won't have their horses here? Well, we need to be strict on animal welfare. Make no mistake about that. I mean, we uh, we have the dentist, the chiro, the physio, the you know, you name it. They are the podiatrist, the farrier. When was the last time you went to the dentist, Julian? Mm, a couple of years. Probably yeah, June. I went last week, but mm. that was only because it was my wife's booking and she couldn't go and I did. But <laughs> the dentist is there every uh, Thursday morning at uh, mm. Flemington to see my horses. So they are pampered pooches. There's no doubt about that. So RVL needs to be stringent with the imports because they have been the issue. It hasn't been the local trainers making a, uh, let's call it, making a bit of a mess of the spring carnival. So it has been the international horses which have been the point of topic. So the point of topic is them. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is them. So they've gone ahead and made it harder and tougher. And probably the simplest way to say it is they've, uh, they, instead of the horses all arriving here and going straight to Werribee, what they've done is gone over to them and said, well, give us a look at your horse before it comes. Gee, Mr. DeStoop, I don't know what mm, I'd be putting that on the plane with you. And yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't think so either. I mean, You'd rather yet, find out then anyway, well, wouldn't you, than get here and find Hong out? Kong, Hong Kong's probably the, you know, is, is I mean, I, I don't think it's the mecca of racing in the world, but it's one of them. Mate, when you go to Hong Kong, you do as you're told. Mm. I mean, if I'm going if I'm going to England to Royal Ascot with Horse X, I don't have bargaining power and a mm. bit of this. I mean, you're getting told what you want. These are the conditions that you're coming out in. They were then. This is now. Has it changed? Does it suit you? Probably not. But too many of those horses were coming out here for a free lunch mm. when they shouldn't have come. So I think, you know, tick again, RVL. Gee, I'm going well with RVL mm. today. Give them another tick because they've uh, they've tightened up their their uh, reasonings for what they want to do with the with the horses. But then it does create other problems because the great line is you can't unsee what you've seen. Mm. So a local horse then has an issue that's been racing, racing, racing. Do they have issues? Of course they do. I would have a horse there right now that it has an issue, but I don't know about that issue. So what am I supposed to do? I don't go and do a 1,000 vet checks every week. If the horse is sound, fit, healthy, and running well, I don't have to go looking. So these guys are going to Sydney. So there's two parts to this in the autumn coming from Europe. Are they going to Sydney because that's where they want to be anyway? Are they going to Sydney because that's where the races are that they're targeting? Are they also going to Sydney because in Europe, they don't like racing on fast tracks. Mm. And in Melbourne, for the next two months, we have theoretically got hard, fast mm. tracks because look at our weather. I know it's not right and it's supposed to be 18 on Saturday, but in but in, in the main, in, yep. in the main, it is a dry track here and Sydney's a wet track. So there's a few other issues with it. Are they not coming because of uh, the stringent tests? I'm sure that's probably mm. correct. And does Sydney don't have to be as stringent? They haven't had the issues we've had in Melbourne. Well, you know what? They're another governing body that they do what they want to do. So you're 100% right. They have not had an issue with the uh, with their horses and everything like that. And, and to be fair, they haven't had that many imports come out here and race with their trainer. We've had imports come out. 
but they then go to Australian trainers. So if they're going to have more horses in Sydney in the autumn, good luck to them, I say. I, I, I don't think there's any, uh, any issue with that. I guess like any sport, Wayne, whether it's footballers and whether it's horses, some are cut down due to injury and... Unfortunately, their careers are a bit shorter than they should be. It's happened to a Totsu, uh, multiple Group 1 winner. Who I'm sure you've had plenty that didn't go on because of injury. Who was the most, I guess, talented that uh, we didn't see the best of because of injury? My lucky day was a horse that, uh, that we had that he, uh, he started off his four-year-old career. In his late three-year-old career, he ran second in a lead-up to the derby, and we pulled the pin. We didn't run him in the derby because he wasn't mature enough. He went to the paddock. He came back, and in horse terms, he won a 1,400-metre class two at Hawkesbury. Now, that would be like winning an, winning an under-19s match at Williamstown. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he went all the way through, and he won a stakes race at uh, Rose Hill two and a half weeks before the Melbourne Cup. He then came to Melbourne. And he won a couple of others in between. He then came to Melbourne. He won on Derby Day. He won the Lexus, which gives you the uh, the Willy Wonka golden ticket into the Melbourne Cup. He won that. And that was the famous day that uh, he won race three. And after race four, it pelted with rain and uh, was underwater that year. He then ran in the Melbourne Cup and Americane mm-hmm. beat him. And so you think ran third. And Americane was ridden by Jared Mossay, and uh, the year after he should have won again. It was the year before, but he should have won two mm-hmm. in a, two in a row. So it was one of the great, great Melbourne Cups. And my lucky day went to the paddock, and he was instantly installed favourite for the following. <laughs> was he two thousand and what was two thousand ten Melbourne 10? Cup? That was okay. yeah. Okay, so he was instantly favourite for the two thousand eleven Melbourne Cup, and um, he uh, he he got a virus and got sick. And I remember. Uh, Having to uh, granulate up uh, tuberculosis ca- tablets oh. and put them in his in his feed, and he had a lung infection. That's what actually happened. So, a lung infection, you've got to run. That's uh, that's a bit like um, one of the Grand Prix drivers putting a rag in the fuel tank. <laughs> yes. Doesn't quite work no. so well. So the horse was fine in himself, but he just wasn't uh, mm. wasn't right to. He, he he came back and raced, but he wasn't letting down and letting go and. You asked me off air about that. Well, it's amazing the horses that do go amiss, probably because they try harder and they have niggles and injuries and everything like that, as do – you know what amazes me? You go in, you go in the rooms after a footy match if you're lucky enough to, yep. and those guys hobble out. Oh, I yeah. Think myself, no one's moving well. It's Friday night. Yeah. These blokes have got to get up in seven days, even a Sunday, let's mm-hmm. say. You've got to get back up five nights' time and you're playing – you know, it's a Collingwood Carlton and the MCGs. It's a blockbuster yeah. no matter where they are on the premiership. And they get back up and do mm. it. They they do an amazing job, mm. those guys. I mean, we, we don't race, obviously, anywhere near as much as they play. But it's the same sort of thing. Most of the best athletes in the world, I'm sure, carry things. I mean, I went to mm. the uh, Australian Open Sunday night. And, and when um, when old mate fell over, he got up. And he, he wasn't ginger, but he, mm. his eye was off the ball a little bit there. So... You never actually quite know, uh, you know, how much it actually affects them. But he started doing a hell of a lot more bouncing of the ball before he was serving it, and pretty disappointing. I tell you, I was there. I was I was lucky enough to be there. But I will tell you what was disappointing was those gooses that kept on yelling out during the during oh, the play. It's so and, annoying. I mean, but then I'm then I'm sitting there in dead silence, which is hard for me. Yeah. Going, <laughs> going. You, but, and, you but, and Andy Ma, that'd be a challenge. But he's having a kick for goal. Can everyone please shut <laughs> up? And there's a whole silence, like the uh, you know the, oh, the sixty golf. seconds yeah. on uh, Anzac Day where yeah. there's the silence. I mean, do we do we need do they need to do that? Do the golfers do the? Oh, they they need to hear the they need do. to hear the sound of the ball off the string. 
because of the, what it for is? the spin, top is spin slice. Is? Yeah, really? that's a big part of it. I mean, I want... I wonder whether we could actually do it from the point of view of going, go and make as much, much noise as what you want, as like what happens at a footy match, because no one's going. I think it's, it's got to be one way or the other, doesn't it? It's silence or constant noise. Yeah, it's when it's the odd, you're throwing the ball up oh, to serve and some no goose doubt. yells out. No doubt. And the bloke would have been 40 metres from me that screamed out, um, hey, in the middle of it, or go, whatever he said. Yeah. And old mate just turned around, looked up the crowd and shook his head. Well, he gave him and a good me, stare. And let me tell you, everyone around the guy that said it, we knew who it was. Do you yeah. know why? Because everyone did the pointing at the oh, at the guy. Did he hang around or did he just walk out? No, he uh, he didn't move. He was too far away for me to visualise who it was. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, it's it's even if you're not Australian, right? Yeah. You're in Australia, so you need to be an Aussie. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and, and be Australian. And that's not what we do in sporting mm, events. No. I mean, it's. Uh, it, it, it was pretty. It was pretty ordinary form. Mm. I thought. I mean, I was privileged to be there watching a world class event, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you don't get to see world class no, right. celebrities like that. So I'm not a mad tennis player, but it was such an well, it was a genuine honour to be there to see world class and to see him win ten out of mm. ten. But speaking of ridiculous, you mentioned in your last answer there. Is it when we, the AFL Grand Finals played the day after we got odds yes. for next year's premiership? Is it ridiculous to have odds for next year's Melbourne Cup straight after our Melbourne Cup? Absolutely. Given everything that can happen Crazy. in that sport in 12 months for that race. Well, you know, the thing is... If, it's guesswork. If the team wins the grand final now, Geelong win this year. They know they're losing the captain. They know mm-hmm. they're losing him. They're going to get some other imports coming in. And, and you're not going to... They can have bad luck, as, as we know. But it's a team. Yeah. So you've got more chance of getting this. Correct. This is one horse. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's a bit like when the early – I mean, I remember when I was a kid, it was, um, you know, someone, Cole, I think it was, used to have the, the big spreadsheet on the A3 piece of paper and you'd get it sent you in the mail and it was a Caulfield Melbourne Cup double and yeah. all that sort of thing. And Jack Cole, I reckon it might have been. But, you know what I mean? So they're way, they're way under the odds. You, the only time you want to be having a bet early is if you're getting way over the odds. And backing next year's favourite for a Melbourne Cup, you know – Eleven months and twenty eight days out is uh, is madness. It is I mean, madness. It, well, it, well, I mean, you know what you're doing. Realistically, what you're doing is you just uh, you just donate money to the uh, to the uh, the betting companies. <laughs> That's right. Now, Aussie jockeys in Hong Kong are you know dominating. You know, Zach Purton, Huey Bowman, James McDonald, and a uh, bit of history for Jamie Carr, first uh, woman to win a stakes race in Hong Kong. So, w- what happens with someone like Jamie Carr hypothetically if she's offered in the next, whatever, 12 months to go and ride permanently in Hong Kong. Is that a no-brainer to say yes? Or is it a massive decision given the quality and the prize money we do race for here as well? Not that she would, but if she asked me, I would say do not do it yet. Right. Shane Dye went at the end of his career. Darren Beeman went up there as a younger guy, got into a bit of trouble, got suspended and disqualified, came back to Australia, resurrected his career, then went back up there at the end of his career. They're too young to be going up there. Hugh Bowman's there now. Now he's done everything he can, and some, and was and was going back and forth to Hong Kong for derbies and won a couple of derbies. And for the record, the Hong Kong derby is the Melbourne Cup. Okay, so he won a couple of Hong Kong derbies, and he's gone up there as an established rider. Mm. Now Jamie Carr is an established rider, but she needs to finish doing in Australia whatever her mm. main plans are. So, but then you say. She's an awkward one. Why? Yes, she's a female. Mm. So then you say Darren Beeman and Shane Dye could go to Hong Kong and have kids, whereas Jamie Carr—that's a good point. That's a good point from a woman's point of view. So Mm. that might push her to say, 
I will go to Hong Kong sooner than later because I want to um, get married, have kids, and, uh, and and not do that. But generally, I would say don't do it until the end of your career because you're older, you're smarter, you're more balanced, and it's not easy. Even though you only race Wednesday night and and Sunday, in, th- in theory, it's Wednesday night at Mooney Valley and Sunday at Flemington. That's basically mm-hmm. how it how it is. And the tracks are probably sand down to where Flemington apart. But it's a pressure cooker. I've been to Hong Kong 10, 12 times in my life. I've got no real urge to go back there. I've been there with Chautauqua. Mm-hmm. I've been there and had some of the greatest nights of my life that I can't talk about on TV, <laughs> radio, or anywhere publicly as someone that's listening now smirking themselves <laughs> of the great fun that you have in Hong Kong and at the casinos in yeah. Macau and things yeah. like that. But different, different landscape now. I know people that live in Hong Kong that are expats that are coming home because it's just not the same anymore. We, without mm. getting into politics, it's all changing in Hong Kong and things like that, and they've had a hell of a time yeah, with COVID. Going on over there. So yep. I think jockeys need to go there at the end of their career once they've done what they need to do and finish their career in Hong Kong. Wayne, it's been fun again. I think we're pretty good at 11. Well, maybe maybe we're better an hour later. Maybe so. Maybe Gareth's on to something. Gareth, uh, Gareth wouldn't be on to much. No, that's right. What, what about someone, I'll tell you, someone I'm, I'm, just... I'm, I'll tell you, just before, I was driving out the other day, a couple of weeks ago, just driving up Sturt Street, about to turn right into Kingsway. There's this bloke on his phone walking across Kingsway, nearly got skittled by a car. Who do you reckon that was? Go on. Gareth Hall. Hall. No awareness. Busy street, on his phone. He's, he's Gareth Hall, everyone. What about the texts that come in? Some pretty tough boys at Willie under 19s, Hawks. It was not a slag <laughs> you, you against Williams the Willie yes. under 19. No, no, it wasn't, wasn't about that. It was just showing the class of where they're at. But I'd get flogged in any under. I'd, the under 14s would tell me up. <laughs> well, hey, good to see you again. Thanks, mate.